Pastor Xavier Reese with the practical, simple truths of the magnificent Creator. The diameter of the Earth's orbit is 186 million miles, which is itself incomprehensible to man. Listen, your God created that. He spoke this into being. Now, whoever creates something has to be greater than what it creates. Next time you have marriage problems, your washer breaks down, go to Him, all right? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pastor Xavier, it uh, sounds like you'll be teaching from the book of Genesis. Yeah, the book of Genesis is a great book. It's a book of beginnings. Sin begins there, creation, everything. Uh, there's so many things that we learn about God, about man, about sin, about how sin is forgiven. And uh, the first 11 chapters are the most crucial. There's the foundation of all theology for your Christian life. And if you don't understand those first 11 chapters, then you will make great mistakes in your theology and in your worldview. So um, we will be looking at some tough issues, uh, some of scriptures on how they're viewed in terms of interpretation. And yet, as we look and let the text speak for itself, we will come out with a clear understanding of what God has revealed. And that's the most important thing as you do inductive Bible study. You let the text speak for itself. And if your theology is wrong, then it's time to change your theology. You let the scriptures speak for themselves. And um, God has designed it that way. And it is the safest and the healthiest. So I'm looking forward to just uh, growing and learning along with the people as they sit under the teachings and to be just exciting. Now, we would encourage you, get a hold of us. Either write us, call us, email us, so that we may know that God is using these studies. It's the only way we know that we're being good stewards. So I encourage you. And I hope the Lord bless you with this series on Genesis. Okay, well, you can write us at Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. To send an email, look for the Contact Us button on our website, calvarychapelpasadena.com. And I'll repeat all of that after the message today. So let's get started with this first study of this brand new series in Genesis titled, Fact or Fiction? We want to look at the opening verse of Genesis, the declarative statement of the entire creation of the cosmos, which is described by three factors. Listen well. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here's the three factors. The time of creation, the God of creation, and the totality of creation. Boom. Slam, bam. It's there. Everybody goes to a hotel, opens up a Gideon Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Responsible. What a great place to put this verse, right in the beginning. <laughs> now, look at the time of creation. Here's where he starts. The inception of creation is stated to be in the beginning. The word beginning can mean several things. First, beginning, chief, or best of choice or part. The context will dictate. The context in our text here is the framework of creation. This is what's in mind. Therefore, it is marking out the starting point of creation. This point marks the introduction of time as man knows it, chronological, linear, running time, past, present, and future. The implication being that time as we know it did not exist in this fashion prior to the creation. Now, the declaration of time 
having a time of inception follows that it has an ending time. Stick with me. Think through, okay? If you've got a beginning, you can't have no end. You cannot have a starting point without a finishing point. You cannot have a starting time without a finishing time. It's a given. The nature of time, as man knows it, is temporal. Time is running down, forward, wasting away. The most precious commodity that you and I have in life, listen, listen, it's time. You lose $100, you can make some more. You lose a minute, you'll never get it back. Learn the valuable things, young people. Just yesterday I was 18, I'm 54. <laughs> Don't laugh, it was yesterday. Real fast. Time only seems long when you're looking forward. When you're looking back, it's a wink of an eye. By the way, the same word is used for the beginning of years in Deuteronomy 11, 12, and it is completed with the antonym, the end of years, because if you have a beginning, you have to have an end. So by implication here, and by deduction, in the beginning, is declaring that there's going to be an end. Real simple. Now, if time as we know it is going forward towards that ending point, then what existed before time as we know it has to be eternity. All right? That which by nature is infinite, that which by nature has no end, that which is not bound or limited to the temporal. Therefore, from the very beginning, God revealed to man that after this period of finite time, when it's over, eternity awaits for man. Full circle. Which means that God knew all along that he would create the worlds, man, and then he would begin the long process of salvation history, and man would be able to spend eternity with God one day, the beginning, the end. Temporal time and eternal time in terms of eternity can be illustrated with a good illustration. We stand here on the parade route for the Rose Parade. People line up from the beginning to the end. People are at different parts of that line, and they are waiting for the parade to come. The one at the beginning starts maybe 8 o'clock. It won't get here till about 9.30. Okay? Now, because you're at a present point in the linear running time. You get up in a hot air balloon, and all of a sudden you look down, you can see the beginning, the process, and the end of the parade. There's a good illustration. God lives outside of the time domain of man. He lives in an eternal present. And he can see your birth, your death, your eternity all at one time because he lives outside of man's time domain. Interesting. The question to all of us is, what are we doing with the time God has given to us? Are you living under biblical priorities? This is very important in the day that we're living in, and it should be for every generation of Christians. What are you doing with your time? Are you living carelessly? Are you living under biblical priorities? David says this in Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Young people, don't waste your life. A lot of Christians waste their life. We always talk about the world. Forget the world. We're not to compare ourselves with the world. You as a Christian, what are you doing with your life? Are you making valuable decisions in your life? Are you getting prepared for life? Or are you just kicking it? 
What are you doing? That goes for us too as adults. Are you aware of how temporal life is? Listen to James 4, 13 through 14. Come now and you say, you who say, today and tomorrow we will go to such a place, such a city, spend there a year, buy and sell, make profit. Wherefore you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a season and it vanishes away. Gone. If the Lord wills, I take one day at a time. We're pilgrims and sojourners, soon to arrive to our destination. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Paul says, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For the light of afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, the things that are not seen are eternal, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Nothing wrong with these things, but I don't live for them. You understand? They have their place, but that's not what life's all about. Listen, blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Revelation twenty-two fourteen. We just finished it. That's where you're going to end up. Is that your goal? Or is to grab all the stuff you can while you're here? Be a good steward. Prepare for life. But you have your eyes on God. He wants you to be a good steward. He wants you to enjoy life. But he doesn't want you to not trust him or to put him first. The time of creation was the beginning of time as we know it. Temporal. In the beginning. Now notice, the God of creation. The identity of the one creating is said to be God. The word God is Elohim. The word is in the plural, by the way. He's the creator God. Now, every time you put an I am at the end of a Hebrew word, it makes it plural. You have seraph, cherub, two classes of angelic order, singular. Cherubim, seraphim, plural. Chapter 3, verse 24, God puts some cherubim at the door of the garden to keep Adam from going back in and eating the tree of life. Plural. So the God of creation, Elohim, is described as a trinity. The word Elah in its root means mighty one, strength, indicating one. The name Allah in its root signifies to swear and is similar to the Aramaic word meaning two. The name Elohim is a plurality attesting to three or more. In the very first verse of Genesis, you have the doctrine of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You might look up Psalm 148.5 and Proverbs 8.22.27. God says there he, he was from all eternity before time began. Now, the nature of God as Trinity is consistently taught throughout Genesis. The God of creation reveals himself in the opening verse of Genesis as a triune three in one. Look at down uh, verse 26 of chapter 1. The conversation of the Trinity here is recorded about the creation of man, affirming the Trinity by the use of the plural again. Notice it says, Then God said, listen, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness and image. Who's us? The horny toes and lizards? No. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The triunity has a conversation. Let's make man in our image. You are created in the image of God. So am I. Plurality. Like, likeness, an image is Hebrew parallelism. 
the complement to describe something completely and totally. The same kind of parallelism you have in verse 2, without form and void, Hebrew parallelism. You remember when Moses spoke to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy? In chapter 6, verse 4, it was called the Shema of Israel. Listen to what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The word for one there is the word akkad. It's a compound unity. The same word is used in chapter 3, verse 24 of Genesis when it says, and they shall be one flesh, the man and the woman. One flesh, two people, compound unity. There is a word in the Hebrew for absolute one. It's the word yahid. He could have used it. He didn't. Because in the beginning, God, Trinity. Verse 26, let us make man our image. Deuteronomy, the Shema of Israel, one, compound unity. The Trinity begins in verse 1 and is consistent through the entire Old and New Testament. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. Now, notice the manner by which God created is like no other. The word created is distinct from two other words that are used in the creation story. The word created here is bara. It means created from nothing. Divine activity, ex nihilo. He spoke it into being. The eternal creator in the beginning of temporal physical matter and energy. It came to be by his word. He spoke it into being. He didn't go down to Home Depot and get some wood and some nails. He spoke it into being. Bara, out of nothing. The word is used exclusively for God, by the way. And the word is found here in chapter 1, verse 1, 21, 27, 2, 3, 2, 4. He spoke it. God said he created Bara. Eight divine acts in six days. For the creation of heaven and earth here in verse 1. Verse 21. For the animals. God created the sea monsters, creatures, every living thing that moved, and the water abounded according to its kind. That's going to be repeated. So in other words, a mammal didn't become an amphibian. An amphibian didn't become a mammal. Okay? That's only in the wishful thinking of people. You have to be educated in that to believe it. You would never come up with it in your own mind. Verse 27 of chapter 1, for the creation of man, Bara. He created man in his own image. Chapter 2, verse 3, God blessed the seventh day, he sanctified it. From all, I would rest it for all his works from which he bara, created. Chapter 2, verse 4, the history of the heavens, the earth, when they were created, bara, at the day that God made the earth and the heavens. Now, it's always translated, created, bara. But, the other two are translated made and formed. The first one made is called Asa or Asa, whichever way you want to pronounce it. It's found in chapter 1, verse 7. Look at it. God made the firmaments, the expanded, thinned out space, divided the waters from the firmaments of the waters and above the firmaments, okay? So he created everything and then he constructed out of that material he created. Material is not eternal. It came into existence. Then God formed it. Verse 16 of chapter 1, God made Asa two great lights. They were already created. Bara, 
Now he forms them. He makes them into what he wants them to be. The greater light to rule a day, the lesser by night. Look at verse 25. God made Asa, the beast, each according to its kind. Look at 31. God made everything that he had made, Asa. And it was very good. Then in chapter 2, verse 2 again, the seventh day he ended. And the two words done are Asa. 2-3 is the last one. God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it. He rested from his works that God had created, and created Bara and made Asa. All right? The last one is Yatzer, and it's translated formed in your Bible. You find it in 2-7. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, so he created him, but he formed him out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Look at 8 of chapter 2. The Lord God planted a garden east of the garden, and there he put the man whom he formed. Last one is 2.19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam and see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called them, each living creature, that was its name. God just brought the animals and he said, okay, pig, pigeon, dove, crocodile, possum. Smart guy. One of the most inspiring and thrilling and recent discoveries and disclosures of astronomers is that there's a great empty space in the north of the nebulae of Orion, the constellation, a heavenly cavern gigantic in the mind of man can't even comprehend it. The brilliancy and the beauty of it is beyond adequate description. Listen to it. All astronomers agree there is a huge opening of Orion, which is perhaps more than, listen, 16, I think, quadrillion, if I get it right, okay? 740 trillion miles in diameter. Uh, the diameter of the Earth's orbit is 186 million miles which is itself incomprehensible to man. Yet the opening into the heavenly cavern of Orion is 90,000 times as wide. In other words, there could be 30,000 solar systems like ours with the sun in the middle of each across the entrance of the opening in the north and still have room to spare. Listen, listen. Your God created that. He just spoke it into being. Next time you have marriage problems, your washer breaks down, go to him. All right? He spoke this into being. Now, whoever creates something has to be greater than what it creates. <laughs> there are several truths called mysteries in the New Testament. One of them is the Trinity. People have a difficult time with that. Thomas Aquinas talked about the liberation and effect of a of accepting the, by faith in the revelation of the doctrine of the Trinity, which cannot be attained by reason alone, though it's reasonable. He said this, that mere reason chains us down to what is merely logical, to what our own mental capacities can deduce. And this is the intellectual mind. We are not believing in foolishness. We're believing in what God has revealed about himself because the only way we can know anything about God is that he reveals it about himself. Anything else is just sheer speculation and stupidity. Only what I know God has revealed can I say that's absolute truth. If I made this up, it would be stupidity. But the fact that I'm reading the revelation of God, that's truth. 
He's revealed it. There's no way that I would find out or know this unless he revealed it. God said, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and the Redeemer of the Lord of hosts. I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. Isaiah 44, 6. If you've read Isaiah, from chapter 40 to the end, he speaks over and over again. I'm the only one. I walked up and down this universe, cruised it, never bumped into any other God. But if you run into another God, tell him to tell me things before they happen so when they happen, I can say he's God. No one's ever taken him up on it. Jesus said, I'm the Alpha, the Omega. The beginning and the end. He says it over and over again in Revelation. One, two, three, four times. So the same attributes to the Father, same attributes to the Son. In fact, Paul puts it this way in 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on the world, received the glory. Wow, the second person of the Trinity. God stepped out of the eternity of his domain, and he took on flesh. He became man to redeem man, to continue the story that he's revealing right now, salvation history, by letting man know that this didn't just happen. He acted willfully, in his own freedom, and purposely to communicate to man and to redeem him. Now, as you know, all three persons of the Godhead are co-equal. All three are equally omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere at the same time, omniscient, all-knowing. The Father says in Isaiah, I am the first and the last, Isaiah 44, 6. John says about the Son, I am the first and the last, Revelation 1.17. And then Paul in Hebrews 9.14 calls the Spirit the eternal Spirit. All three are the same. All-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. All three persons of the Trinity are co-equal. Therefore, they all were creating in the beginning. Listen to what the Bible says. Paul in 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, For us there is one God. Listen, the Father of whom are all things. He says the Father. John in his gospel 1, 3 says, All things were made through him, Christ. And without him nothing was made that was made. Hebrews 1, 2 also says that. And then Moses tells us here in the second verse of chapter 1 of Genesis that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But you have all three here. Psalm 104.30. You send forth your Spirit. They are created, bara, and you renew the face of the earth. God. And yet God as creator is separate from his creation, is he not? God is not a tree. He's not a mountain. He's not the sea. He's not the universe. God is not limited, nor is he less than his creation. God is not dependent, but independent of his creation. He stands outside of it. God is greater than his creation, controlling and holding all things together, as Colossians 1.17 says. Do you realize that everything has a potential for blowing up? That's how they split the atom. It blows up. The scientists don't understand what's holding it together. You know, you have the proton, neutrons, electrons, all that going on. They, they, don't, they call it um, nuclear glue. Colossians 1.17 says it calls it Jesus. <laughs> and when he says let go at the end of the age of a thousand years, everything burns up. This, everything has the potential for blowing up if you split the atom. Interesting. The God of creation spoke things into existence. 
Can you handle that? Only by faith. Only by faith. Pastor Xavier Reese with three key factors relating to the beginning of history. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study from the book of Genesis titled Fact or Fiction. It's available for just $4 on CD when you contact us. Now, the title to ask for once again is Fact or Fiction, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or choose to contact us through our website at calvarychapelpasadena.com for your comments to Pastor Xavier. Please let us know how we've been a ministry to you today, won't you? And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you do contact us. Divine Creation Evolution Have you ever considered which requires more faith to believe? The answer coming up next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 